listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, now you know why they call it Survive in Advance. Blink your eyes, snap your fingers, and just like that, we're down to the championship game for all the marbles. And we know there's not going to be a repeat champion this year because Virginia exited eons ago. But will the ghost of Bobby Knight and the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers finally be exercised. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And by the way, after that thriller tonight, and now that there's only two teams standing, be sure to check where you rank in Fox Sports Radio's M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. There wasn't anything close to a perfect bracket this year, but still, up for grabs is a $1,000 gift card for the listener in first place, $300 for second place, and $200 for third place. Andrew C. is the listener currently in first place as we head into the championship game Monday. By the way, Aaron Torres, he's leading the Fox Sports Radio host bracket. And not for nothing, Bernie Fratto is in second place, and Aaron's got... Baylor Monday, and I've got Gonzaga, so we'll see what happens. The full standings can be accessed via foxsportsradio.com. It's the M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. Refind your prime with M-Drive. Tonight, I'm going to examine the best Cinderella stories in the history of the tournament and why I believe that this year's Big Dance reveals the greatest Cinderella ever and it might surprise you. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Deshaun Tate, live from Indianapolis. We'll chop up today's action, and we'll look ahead to the final game Monday. Later on, after Bruin Finley's update, I will share with you who I believe to be the greatest undefeated team of all and why their perception is so complex. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports and plenty of data to twist your brain in knots. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Jalen Suggs, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All righty, and then there was one. We're all set to go to the championship game Monday, Gonzaga and Baylor. And as another March Madness tourney winds down, it really got me to thinking. You know, there are actually two tournaments one for those who root for Cinderella's to prevail, and then, of course, the one that crowns a champion. And it also got me to thinking, who's the greatest Cinderella story of them all? Arguing about this, I really think, is like debating your favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti because it's so highly subjective. But I thought I'd give it my two cents, and I think you'll enjoy this little trip down memory lane. Well, the first one is not too long ago. I mean... 2018 Loyola Chicago, and then again this year. The Ramblers, they're, they're, I guess they're still kind of fresh in our minds. They were the latest 11 seed to reach a Final Four. Sister Jean became a national superstar, and as Loyola Chicago pulled off upset after upset in 2018, well, they became fan favorites. They, they beat you know Miami, Tennessee, Nevada, Kansas State. Of course, they fell to Michigan in the Final Four. This year, they took apart number one Illinois busting up a ton of brackets in the process. But they're not the greatest Cinderella story. How about 2013, Florida Gulf Coast? They were a 15 seed back in 2013, reached the Sweet 16, the first 15 seed to ever do that. The Eagles, they beat Georgetown in the first round, and they hammered San Diego State in the second. 
And you, as you recall, Florida Gulf Coast, they played a really entertaining brand of basketball that earned them the nickname Dunk City. And who were they coached by? Some guy named Andy Enfield, who's doing a pretty good job now at USC. That uh, Florida Gulf, uh, Gulf Coast team is way ahead of its time. They weren't the best Cinderella story. Two, uh, 2006, George Mason. Now, George Mason really wasn't even supposed to make the tournament. They didn't earn an auto bid, and they lost in the uh, the Patriots lost in the tournament semifinals in their own conference. But somehow they got an 11 seed in that large, and they made the most of it. They were coached by Jim Larinaga. You remember that? They knocked off some big heavy hitters. They beat Michigan State, North Carolina, UConn on the way to the Final Four, where they ultimately would lose to Florida. But they're not the best Cinderella team now. How about 1990, Loyola Marymount and Hank Gathers? Who can forget that? The Lions made an incredible elite uh, elite eight run. As an 11 seed, again, led by Coach Paul Westhead. Now, this team was a blast to watch. They averaged 122 points a game. You heard that right. That not only led the NCAA that year, but they led three years in a row. Paul Westhead, they were way ahead of their time. They embraced the fast pace and three-point shots. Ultimately, they would lose to UNLV, who would go on to win the national championship. Not for nothing, my favorite Cinderella story involved my alma mater, Cal State Fullerton. And if you're living in Southern California listening on 570 right now, you know that Cal State Fullerton is a major university. It's right in the heart of Orange County. It's on Nutwood Street in Fullerton. It's got an enrollment of about 40,000. Now, it's best known for winning multiple national championships in baseball with Augie Garrido. But in 1978, their basketball team advanced to the Sweet 16 and beyond in the most improbable way. You see, in 1978, the, the Cal State Fullerton Titans, well, they had a savvy point guard from Brooklyn who couldn't shoot and a 6'4", 150-pound small forward who was a poor man's Larry Bird one year before the real Larry Bird, and they did the unthinkable. Now, after a very nondescript regular season, which included losses to William and Mary and San Jose State, well, the team led by point guard Mike Linden, and sharpshooter Keith Anderson, who looked more like a chemistry major than a basketball player, well, they got hot down the stretch. They won six games in a row, including the PCAA Conference Tournament, which would ultimately punch their ticket to the big dance for the first time in the school's history. But when it was learned that New Mexico would be their first opponent, well, the air came out of the balloon pretty quickly. See, the Lobos were led by Michael Cooper. Yeah, that Michael Cooper. They were ranked number three in the country, and they opened up a 30-point favorite. The Fullerton trailed by six at the half, but they were actually competing. But when they fell behind by 17 in the second half, things looked pretty bleak. But then the magic began. They had a 6'6 forward named Greg Bunch, who actually jumped center at the opening tip. Well, he caught fire, and the Titans clawed back. Bunch had 18 points, and that guard tandem I just told you about of Keith Anderson and Kevin Heenan, well, they combined for 45 points. The Titans shocked the heavily favored Lobos and the entire basketball world with a 90-85 to 85 victory. Now, the format back in 1978 meant that Fullerton would now advance to the Sweet 16. Next up, the powerful USF Dons, University of San Francisco, led by Bill Cartwright, as well as players like Winford Boynes, James Hardy, Chubby Cox. All of them spent time in the NBA. Now, the Dons were loaded, and when they led the Titans by 12 at the half, it looked and felt insurmountable, but it wasn't enough. See, Cartwright was unstoppable that day, and he would go on to score 27 points that afternoon. And even though Fullerton fell behind by as much as 19 points, once again, the basketball guy showed the world that oftentimes will 
beats skill. And frankly, Fullerton had plenty of skill. They just didn't look the part physically. Once again, the trio bunch, Heenan and Anderson, combined for 51 points. And in the end, the Cinderella Titans had stunned the USF Don 75-72. They were on their way to the Elite Eight. By this time, their coach, a fiery guy by the name of Bobby Dye, who's known for motivating players to achieve above what they believe they could do, he was finally getting a ton of well-deserved respect. In fact, he was dubbed the Wizard of Nutwood by an L.A. Times writer. It was a play on words, of course, because it was a tribute to John Wooden, also known as the Wizard of Westwood. The UCLA campus, of course, just 45 minutes north of Fullerton. Conveniently, Cal State Fullerton was located on Nutwood Street. But lying in wait were the explosive Arkansas Razorbacks coached by Hall of Famer Eddie Sutton. They had Sidney Moncrief, Ron Brewer, Marvin Delft, all All-Americans. They were 32-4. and four. They had just hammered uh, a very good UCLA team that featured six NBA players, including Kiki Vandewey and Roy Hamilton. But right on schedule, Fullerton Trail, 39-24 to 24 at the half, which prompted CBS announcer Billy Packer to say, the Titans have got them right where they want them. And he was right. Fullerton proceeded to press, scramble, force turnovers, make shots. They started to get on the Razorbacks' nerves. You could see it. You always knew the Titans were outworking their opponent because by the second half, their shirt tails were untucked, and you couldn't shake them. It worked. Fullerton's frenetic pace came to fruition. They took the lead, 58-57, with a minute 29 in the game. And on Arkansas's next possession, Ron Brewer hit a jumper as the clock ran down to take the lead, 59-58. But here we go. There was still time. Fullerton's Kevin Anderson, the best shooter on the team, he frankly, uh, frankly uh, dribbled up the floor. And as the world awaited, they just waited for him to pull up and make one of his patented jumpers, but it was not to be. The rest is a blur. A trio of Razorbacks converged on him near the free throw line. Arkansas's Marvin Dolph ended up with the ball. And, of course, Fullerton fans said it was a foul, but it wasn't. It was a clean steal, I guess. Two free throws later, and the Razorbacks prevail 61 to 58. Now, the magic had run out, but the memories have never died. Forty years later, people still talk about this team in Orange County. And I guess you can say that, you know, look, no one can ever take away the memories of the Cal State Fullerton Titans and A. Bart Giamatti, uh, the former commissioner, baseball commissioner, A. Bart Giamatti famously once said, the games are designed to break your heart. And it, it, it was kind of heartbreaking, although a year later, Fullerton did win the national championship in baseball, beating that same Arkansas Razorback team, a very good team that had Kevin McReynolds and Tim Lawler and Johnny Ray. And in 1979, the Titans were national champions. It happened to be in baseball. But in at the end of the game, it's just like you saw tonight with with UCLA and the dejected. But I'll tell you, that this is the reality of the hero in the arena. In many ways, they're the same as everybody else. Sometimes they're blessed. Sometimes they're cursed, and maybe that's why they call this whole darn thing madness, March Madness. But I don't want to bury the lead. They're not the greatest Cinderella story. For me, the answer is simple. Work with me. How can it not be the Gonzaga Bulldogs? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. 22 straight tournament appearances, 12 straight Sweet 16 appearances, one possession from winning it all against Blue Blood North Carolina four years ago. Now, I know the term Cinderella is typically used to refer to situations where the competitors achieve far greater success than it would have been reasonably have been expected. So is Gonzaga a Cinderella, or are they the ultimate Cinderella? Well, you tell me. 
They don't have a football program. They're neatly tucked away in Spokane, Washington, almost 300 miles away from Seattle. And in the end, they're just a small, private, Catholic university that has never beaten its chest or asked for fanfare. Even today, with their successful resume, people still say, yeah, but they play in a weak conference. And trust me, larger universities in their region, they look down their nose at them. And what if I told you as recent as 1998, their freshman enrollment was only 500 students. Even now, the total enrollment is just about 6,000. For my money, and it's been that way for two decades, Gonzaga, a small little school in a beautiful state of Washington, but out tucked in the middle of nowhere, is to me the ultimate Cinderella story. And they can close the deal Monday night and make history if they beat the Baylor Bears, a team that, coincidentally, they're 5-0 and against all time. Coming up, we've got a lot to talk about with what happened in tonight's games and look ahead to Monday's matchup. We're going to bring in a gentleman, Deshaun Tate. He's in Indianapolis in the middle of all the action, and he'll join us to bring us up close and personal as to what's happening, and we'll look ahead to Monday. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to welcome in a gentleman. When I co-hosted the Yacht Couple the Friday, the first day of the tournament, we brought him on. He was outstanding. He joins us live from Indianapolis, the center of the universe tonight. Say hello to Deshaun Tate. Hey, Deshaun, thanks for staying up late tonight, buddy. Of course, absolutely no problem. Thank you so much for the invite, the warm welcome. I appreciate you for having me. Deshaun, before we look ahead to Monday, I'd like to get your take on the two games that were played today. Uh, Baylor dispatched to Houston pretty handily. What is your takeaway from that game heading into Monday? You know, first things first, coming up with that game, man, I tell you what, I almost fell asleep. I had a hard time trying to stay up. I thought it was going to obviously be a little bit more competitive. Between both games, I actually thought that, uh, you know, obviously the the, 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 the Gonzaga-UCLA game would probably, you know, Gonzaga expectations were high and, probably going to win, run away from it and breaking all type of records and so forth in terms of double-digit victories. And that was the exact opposite, uh, especially speaking that of, uh, you know, Houston and, and uh, Houston and Baylor. But listen, in terms of Baylor, you wouldn't have never known that Baylor was shooting in an arena like uh, like, like shooting in the in, in a dome style right. uh, football field. That was the craziest part about it, I think. And uh, listen, they're, they're going to be advancing, and they put an exclamation point on you know anyone that questioned if they deserve to be there. Talking with Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, let's look at the game of the night. Obviously, it was an epic contest. It'll be talked about for years. I'll tell you what sticks in my mind. Gonzaga shot 59% tonight, yet the game was tied at 90 in overtime, and the game could have gone either way. What did you see in that game that would lead you to form an opinion for Monday night? Yeah, you know, I think the fact that there it was it was quality basketball. It was a quality brand of basketball. It really was. It wasn't sloppy at all, and, 
you know the the, the you know I, I, I sit back and I'm I'm sitting back and I'm watching a game between you know people will always talk about who's the you know who who are these players that are going on to the you know likely to go on to the NBA and have high expectations for them, but then I think you even got to stop and look for a second because there's always going to be a player at this time of the year that makes some noise, leads his team to uh, maybe to the you know really deep in the postseason, obviously, and really improves his stock for you know July's NBA draft, and I think that that player. From, Plays for for UCLA, you know, and, and his name is is Johnny Juzang. He's yeah. been phenomenal all year long, and yep. you know, when I'm then back, kind of looking at you know breaking down his game and so forth. Obviously, a good jump shooter, but even proving that he can penetrate to the basket a little bit as well and be more of a facilitator in some cases when needed, and also be a leader vocally. Uh, I think that he put that on display today, and obviously they fall short, but. He and his teammates don't have a reason to hang their head, not not the least bit. Talking to Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, let's look ahead to Monday night's matchup. Prior to the games tipping off today, it was projected that Gonzaga would be a six-point favorite if they faced against Baylor. The game has since opened up at four and a half. I think it's a reaction to Baylor winning handily and Gonzaga having a dogfight. But what I'd like to share with you as I look for an edge in this game is I saw Gonzaga get 56 points in the paint against UCLA, 46 points in the paint against USC. And USC, prior to that game, had never allowed more than 36 points in the low post all year. I think there could be an edge there for Gonzaga to score in Baylor's low post. Talk about the matchup and how you see it. Yeah, you know, I can see that in a lot of ways when you're, you know, talking about this Baylor team who doesn't really have um, the size in terms of the height when you look at some of the, the, the when you go down the roster and look at this Jonathan Chachua, who is, you know, the biggest man on the roster and the, pri- the primary big uh, for Baylor. Uh, at, uh, maybe only six eight. I mean, look who's talking. I'm saying only six eight. And I'm five ten. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, I think more than anything, is, on, on top of that, is the fact that they're very guard oriented. They run about three or four guards out there when they start the game. And you know, even if these guys are you know six three, six four, and six five, they're playing like they're six four, six five, six six, or six seven. Uh, and, and they really get after it. And, and there's a lot more balance to their game. Uh, offensively, defensively, they shoot the ball very well as well. Uh, and this is the one, let's, let's face it, this is the one that we've been looking forward to. This is the one we've been wanting yeah. to see. No, it's canceled or postponed or whatnot earlier in the season. Think about something. Remember a few years ago when we thought we were going to get the LeBron James versus Kobe Bryant in the finals and they're making all kinds of puppet commercials and so forth. We didn't get that. There was a chance that we weren't going to get that this year with college basketball. But we're going to get that in less than 48 hours. And here, check this out. Here's my last point to that. When, when, when I sit back and I look at some of the best teams all year, all year long from last year, that was San Diego State, uh, 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 Dayton, uh, 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 Gonzaga, and Baylor. Two of those teams are still playing, playing with a chip on their shoulder, picking up where they last left off. That confidence level is riding high. One of them of these two teams is going to win a national championship, and history is going to be made right here in Indianapolis, where I am right now. I can't wait to see it happen. I'm really excited. Deshaun, before we get to your prediction for Monday night, 
take us inside what it's like there. I, and, of course, I spent a lot of time in Indianapolis. I love the city. I love St. Elmo's Steakhouse. What's the atmosphere like? We were robbed last year, and the tournament is quite a bit different this year in terms of its scope. But I will tell you, it's ever, every bit as popular as it ever has been. What's it like being there in the, in the middle of the center of the universe right now? Yeah, I'm a little bit envious because you got to check out St. Elmo's. That's the busiest place to be in the world right now. But I tell you what, uh, uh, the, the atmosphere is it's a little on the drier side. I mean, if I'm just being honest, I mean, listen, we're talking about no, no, no teams are playing in this thing, you know, east of the Mississippi River, which I think plays a part. And maybe not a ton of teams were able to fans thereof were able to uh you know make that ride out so hopefully i'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed that uh you know maybe the prices will come down on the tickets and so forth a little bit good luck with that i know right but uh i I will say enough to say that uh it's it's been nice but it doesn't seem like the final four is really here you know, sure, it doesn't feel sure. like they've shown up. It doesn't seem like it's really arrived so much yet. But I do want to say one thing uh, before we go on to the last question is that how about we give a round of applause to all of these players who – listen, we're talking about young men. I can't guarantee you me at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old would have been, you know, this committed to staying inside of a bubble and not sneaking out of it, something we can't even say NBA players have done. How about the job that they have done with the sacrifices that they've had to make and not be able to play these games in front of their own home fans and so forth? I think they've done a phenomenal job. Sometimes that gets overlooked, but I had to mention a uh, million percent. It's been a highly competitive tournament. There were 14 upsets, and tonight was a great capper. All right, we've got about a minute, Deshaun. Monday night, uh, Baylor is a sh- check that. Gonzaga is a short favorite, four and a half. Do you expect a high-scoring game? Do you expect more of a dogfight? you got two pretty good defenses here, and who do you expect to prevail? Yeah, I do expect it to be a dogfight, and I think uh, many of the uh, players definitely expect it to. Jalen Suggs' post-game press conference earlier tonight said it's going to be a dogfight versus Baylor, and we're going to go at them. Not really sure that that's the smartest idea in the world to want to get out there and run with them. But hey, listen, it's, it's everybody for themselves. That's what you play this game for. It's for all the marbles right here. And so, uh, and, and, and I do expect a, uh, a good balance between offense and defense. I'm still going to roll with Gonzaga on this one. Uh, a lot of times you have to have a little bit of luck go your way amongst other things to win a national championship. I think that kind of showed tonight. They got the toughest test out of the way. If there was any uh, one, you know, that, that they had to kind of scratch and claw for, uh, let's go for a score. Let's go with a. I'll go with. A, I'll go with eighty. I'll go with eighty-six, eighty-one. Gonzaga. Listen, Bernie. They have to do this. If they don't do this, you don't have to worry about me picking them on my bracket anymore. They can, they listen. They can be in a tournament filled with sixty-seven other. Pal League, uh, 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 a Church League recreational team, and I'll never pick them again. They've got to be the ones standing (laughs) on that ladder. They've got to be the ones standing on that ladder with the scissors in hand, cutting down those nets. If they're not, i got a feeling that they're just really going to be too hard to trust going forward, and I'm probably going to be the guy that's leading that. (laughs) I think I'm with you, Deshaun. It's this year or I don't know when they would ever win a championship. I do feel like, especially after tonight, Gonzaga is that team of destiny. He's Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, thanks for staying up late. Have fun in Indianapolis Monday night.
Of course, Bernie. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. We'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks. That's Deshaun Tate from Tate's Takes. We had him on the Odd Couple a few weeks back, and uh, I believe he predicted the uh, Abilene Christian upset in the opening round over Shaka Smart. All right, look, this is a tough night for my guy, and as uh, A. Bart Giamatti once said, the games are designed to break your heart, and no one knows better than this man. Let's go to Bruin Finley with the latest. Well, thank you so much, Bernie, and, and that was a challenge to deal with, but nobody thought UCLA would go that far, so you have to hang your head on the fact that you made it to the Final Four and lost on a prayer against Gonzaga. And that's where we start here as we look back at the action from the Final Four. Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs banks a 30-foot prayer to beat the horn in overtime as the Zags flee UCLA 93-90 in the Final Four. Bruins' Johnny Juzing had tied the game with three seconds after coming down with a rebound and going to the rim hard with the right hand. And with those three seconds remaining after that made basket, the Zags went the length of the court and put in the Hail Mary shot. Juzing thrilling with 29 points, making bucket after bucket, bucket answering every seemingly made basket on the Zags end. Both teams shot over 57% from the field in this game. And afterwards, Bulldogs said coach Mark Few, understanding how fortunate his team was to come out victorious. Hats off to UCLA. They are really, really, really good and just so, so well coached. Uh, uh, it, was, it was quite a chess match going on out there. And, and uh, you know, we had the last possession. And like I said, we're lucky enough to hit a 50-footer. I heard luck used a couple times. The Bulldogs keep their perfect record intact and will face Baylor, who embarrassed Houston 78-59 in the other semifinal. Jared Butler for the Bears had 17 points in the game, and the Bears were up 45-20 to at the half. In the NBA, the Bucks ruffle up the Kings 129-128. to Giannis Antetokounmpo did not play, dealing with left knee soreness. Drew Holiday had 33 points. The Trailblazers clotheslined the Thunder 133-85 to as that was the largest win ever at the Moda Center. The Jazz take down the Magic 137-91. to Donovan Mitchell 22 points, 2 rebounds, and 4 dimes. The 76ers get a win against the Timberwolves. Tobias Harris 32 points for him. The Knicks Overwhelmed the Pistons 125 to 81. New York had a 41 to 15 lead after the first quarter. And finally, Luka Doncic 26 points, eight rebounds as the Mavericks pester the Wizards 109 to 87. As they send it back to my man Bernie Fratto, straight out of Vegas. And that is the Silver Tongue Devil, Bruin Finley. Bruin, take it easy, man. <laughs> Lie down, get yourself a cold compress, get some warm milk and soft music. You're going to be all right. As yellow. Go ahead. I was going to say, as Mick Cronin said, Bernie, not meaning to interrupt, after the game, he said, this is just the start. No seniors on this UCLA team that played in this game. A lot of optimism for this program moving forward. I, I agree with him. They're, you know, I don't know if they'll all come back, but... They had all underclassmen, and you saw what Mick Cronin did at Cincinnati. This team brings that same toughness and all the resources at UCLA. You know, guys, uh, UCLA entered uh, the Final Four as an 11 seed. They have more combined championships than the remaining three teams. The Bruins had 11 in their, in their rich history. The rest combined for zero. All right. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is 
straight out of Vegas. And one of the debates throughout well, the years has been, will anybody ever do what Bobby Knight's 1976 Indiana team did? They went undefeated, and they won the national championship. But you know what? For my money, the greatest undefeated team in the history of the NCAA were the 1991 UNLV running Rebels. Okay, I'm a little biased, so I'm playing person five times. Well, combined between 90 and 91. I was living in Southern California at the time. But here's why I feel so highly about that team. First, they were defending champions. They were not only undefeated, but they were defending champions. Indiana in 1976 was not the defending champion from 1975. Uh, By the way, that team actually was undefeated until they lost to Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Wichita State in 2014, they were also undefeated, but they lost in the round of 32 to Kentucky. Kentucky in 2015, that epic team, well, they lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. UNLV made it to the Final Four game against Duke in 1991 as an undefeated team and this was a team they had beaten the year before in the championship game 103 to 73 now yeah this duke team was better 91 they had bobby hurley they had christian leitner they were a year older and the blue devils they even added a young freshman star by the name of grant hill and some have surmised wrongly that the rebels succumbed to the pressure of being undefeated and trying to repeat nope not true if anything the rebels were overconfident even in practice two days before coach jerry tarkanian intimated as much concerned that his team felt they had already had duke beaten they were too relaxed in his view and before the game thomas hill duke's starting two guard he stared at the rebels during the pregame introductions and he got really angry later he would tell people in his words, he said, UNLV looked to me like they were too cool and nonchalant. Like, yeah, man, it's going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, we're about to go back-to-back. We're going to go undefeated. Hilden looked over at his teammate, Brian Davis, and said, we got these mofos. We got these dudes because they're taking us lightly. They don't think we can beat them. Now, UNLV had reason to be confident entering the 1991 national semifinal game. The Rebels were not only defending national champions and on a 45-game winning streak, in their quest to be the first undefeated men's college basketball champion since the Hoosiers, UNLV at 34-0, had completely obliterated their competition. 32 of their 34 victories were by double digits. And again, as as I said, their opponent in the Final Four was the same team they had beaten the year before, Duke. And they'd beaten them 103-73. But in the words of Coach K, Duke had something to prove. Duke had trained for UNLV's length and their athleticism and their speed and to mimic the run and rebel swarming defense, which shifted between man-to-man and the amoeba. They had a 1-1-3 zone that combined ball pressure and corner traps with man-to-man concepts. Duke starters, in practice, their offense would play against seven players. <laughs> but, look, UNLV had All-Americans Stacy Ogman and Larry Johnson and at halftime, I'm telling you, they, they looked like they were going to do, do it again. They led 43-41, to 41, but the game turned. The game turned when their star point guard, the Rebels' star point guard, Greg Anthony, fouled out with 3.51 remaining. At that time, the Rebels led 76-70, but the dynamic changed, and the Blue Devils would actually go on to prevail 79-77. The thing is, beating that UNLV team, that UNLV team was a very pivotal moment in Duke basketball history. Grant Hill basically said it legitimized Duke as a serious program. We became we became a great program at that moment. Now, I miss those days. Coach Tark died in 
20, in February 2015, and I, I actually talked to Stacey Ogman at the funeral. It had been 25 years since the Rebels lost to Duke, and he admitted it still hurt. He said he will always take his hat off to Coach Tarkanian because he had an incredible ability to get his teams not only to play hard, but to play together and unselfish. And along the way, Coach Jerry Tarkanian established himself as one of the most engaging and certainly one of the most entertaining coaches in history on any level. I had him on my radio show in Ann Arbor in 1996, and he came on. And the first question I asked him is, I said, Coach, why do you love recruiting junior college players so much? And he quipped, I love JC players because their cars are already paid for. And by the way, when reporters thought UNLV's constant pressure would have trouble during the Final Four that year, the year they won the championship, because the games were played in the elevation of Denver's McNichol Arena, he told his team, don't worry, boys, the game's being played indoors. And in 1990, just prior to the championship game versus Duke, when told that the contest was being characterized as good versus evil, again, Tarkanian quipped, I don't think that's fair. I've met some of the Duke kids. They're nice kids. Now, maybe I'm biased, but like I said, because like I said, I saw those great UNLV teams play five times in person over a two-year period. I saw them play down at UCI in the Brent Center, Bill Mulligan. I even saw them play against Jimmy Valvano's North Carolina State team here at the Thomas and Mack in the spring of 1990. But at the end, I still say they were the greatest undefeated team of all time who didn't go undefeated. Come on, work with me. You know what I mean. There was nothing quite like the UNLV running Rebels of the early 90s. They came this close to going back-to-back and being undefeated in their second year. We'll see if Gonzaga can do it Monday night. It's certainly going to be fun to watch. Coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. We bring in Mackenzie Rivers for Mackinac Sports, and we're going to give you some factoids you want to know about as we head into Monday night's game, Baylor versus Gonzaga. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before we go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Bruin Finley. Turning all the dials, or actually giving us the great updates. Chris Perfett, the pride of Detroit. And Ryan Bershinger, the co-host, along with Bo Benson of the Swing Shift Podcast. By the way, a quick programming note. Tomorrow night, right here on Fox Sports Radio, between 5 and 8 p.m. Pacific, I will be sitting in for Jonas Knox and Brady Quinn, along with my man Aaron Torres. And we've got a lot to talk about, including uh, tournament breakdown and looking ahead among many other things. So so please join us. All right. You know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. Uh, at this time every week, we call it Mackin on Sports. Let's welcome in Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, you've done some really good research as far as looking ahead to tomorrow night's game and sort of a general synopsis on how the Pac-12 did. Yes, and UCLA did get the cover. It was actually the first time in NCAA history, that a double-digit double seed in the Final Four got the cover. Prior to tonight's game, they were 0 for 5 straight up, 0 for 5 against the spread. So when the when the Cinderellas finally got to the big dance, it had been pumpkins, and the UCLA Bruins did not get it done, but they did cover for the first time ever. And uh, speaking of Brian or Bruin Finley, 
Do you think Gonzaga got lucky? Because I've been hearing this narrative, and I have a couple thoughts on how lucky. You make your own luck. You make your own luck. But exactly. You know, first of all, first of all, you had to get the shot online. Yes, it hits the glass, but hey, it was 100% accurate. You know, not the depth, but the accuracy. Second of all, they, it was tied. They had a 70% chance to either hit the game winning right there or go to overtime and win. So they're going to be 32 and 0, and we're going to be like, well, they did get lucky that one time. It just doesn't sit right with me. Well, you know the old saying in poker, winners tell jokes, losers play shut up and deal. Look, the bottom, <laughs> the bottom line, McKenzie, is this, is this game was not won by accident. This was a heavyweight right. match. When you're the losing team and you put up 90 points and shoot 58%, naturally you're going to be disappointed. There really were no losers tonight, but only one team can move on. Speaking of that, McKenzie, Gonzaga 5-0 all-time versus Baylor. Not that that means anything Monday night, but as we look ahead, we've got a line of Gonzaga laying 4.5, the total about 160, and there's a few factoids here sort of surrounding that, including the total, which is way up there. Yes, second highest total in championship game history, only behind the 2001 game between Duke and Arizona. But this was actually more fascinating to me. The line opened up, it's about Gonzaga minus four and a half. I looked at all the championship games since 1985 till today. Obviously, we missed out last year, so 35 with 2019 being the last one. And this is the exact average spread of a championship game. The favorite team is usually four and a half. So here we have an historically great, almost undefeated team with three NBA players that will probably go down as one of the greatest college teams of all time. And they only have an average spread. That tells you how good this Baylor team is. Digging deep on Baylor. If you take away that two and six run they had right around their COVID break, 16 and four, actually 17 and four after tonight against the number. They've been a monstrous team, just like Gonzaga, a little bit under the radar, though. Well, the game. There was a look-ahead line at Circa before the Final Four started, right. and Gonzaga was minus six. Now, tonight it opened four and a half. I think that's purely reaction to the fact that Baylor destroyed Houston and Gonzaga really had a fist fight in the phone booth with UCLA, who people are going to overreact to what they saw last. But I'm still going to lean Gonzaga. Good point. Uh, But is it over a reaction? I mean... You have to say this is Baylor's most impressive performance, and this is oh, probably yeah. UCLA's toughest game. So a one-and-a-half net point reaction. I can see why the market does it, but I think, you know, you look at this game. Gonzaga scored 93 points. They only hit seven threes, Bernie. This is a team that even when it's not clicking, it's clicking. I would have to lean heavily towards Gonzaga, too. As good as Baylor well, has been, I would like Gonzaga minus the points. You look for an edge. Gonzaga had 56 points in the paint tonight. Right. Uh, McKenzie, they had 46 points in the paint against USC. And USC, prior to that game, all year had not allowed more than 36 points uh, in the low post. I think that's where Gonzaga finds their edge. Again, they're going to have to defend Jared Butler. Gonzaga's going to have to defend Jared Butler, Davian Mitchell, and Macy Oteague. They got off the bus tonight and were just banging threes. Like yes. it was nothing, right? But – Gonzaga's got so much star power. How do you not love this Jalen Suggs kid? So, gun to your head, who do you like? And does the game go over or under uh, Monday night? Gun to my head, I'd go Gonzaga. I think as good as Baylor is with their defensive players, I don't think they have the, uh, the, the post players to really stop those points in the paint. But my better bet, if I had gun to my head, I would say the over. I mean, these teams are getting used to Luka Oil Stadium, first of all. So they're starting to knock down their threes. We saw that with Baylor today. And they're just they're teams that are run by their guards that want to get up and down as much as any teams we've seen in college basketball. I see this being 80-80, so I'm going to go, or 81-80 to go over the one 
60. That would be my best bet. Early best bet. Still doing my homework on this national championship game tomorrow night. 81-80. So, okay, so you actually like Baylor with the points then. You like Gonzaga to win, but you like Baylor with the points. Yes, gun, gun to my head, but the over is, is what I'm leaning more towards, you know, still doing my early homework on the game. Uh, do you agree with me that this will be the highest handle in the history of the tournament? Yes, I think this has been one of the more exciting tournaments, especially as game, gaming it's more nationwide. So with all the different props that they're throwing up, I think this will probably be the biggest handle in Vegas and nationwide. All right, thanks. He is Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. You hear him every time, every week at this time, and he brings it with the great research. I want to thank Deshaun Tate for joining us tonight. Again, join me tomorrow night, 5 to 8, with Aaron Torres for sitting in for Brady Quinn and Jonas Knox. This is going to be a lot of fun Monday night. Baylor, a four-and-a-half-point dog. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville, it's Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas!